morning, John chapter 8. We have looked, I guess, in recent weeks of uh, just looking at Jesus in the morning or on Sunday and then looking at Titus chapter 2 is where we are right now. And this morning I definitely, I want to turn my attention to the Lord Jesus Christ again. And uh, how many of you think we're going to be talking about Jesus in heaven? How many of you know we will not be talking about the Super Bowl in heaven? Just won't make any difference. No benefit that's gained in that. No, 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 no thing that stirs the heart, causes any kind of help to the heart. I tell you right now, though, you get to talking about Jesus Christ. Whatever your need is today, are you listening? Whatever your need is today, Jesus has the ability to meet that need. And that is the, that is the truth of the Bible. In John chapter 8, Jesus... Really, the first, first few verses are really cast doubt upon in being in the Bible. And uh, John 8, 1 through 11, the woman taken in adultery, there are those that would say these verses don't belong in the Scripture. Well, I, I would disagree with that. I believe that uh, every word that's in the Bible ought to stay in the Bible. And uh, that, that means all of the words that God put there, all 788,258, they all need to be exactly where they are. I don't, I don't need somebody to change them. I don't need somebody to embellish them. I don't need somebody to add a little touch of paint here, or a little, little gloss there. I got exactly what I need right here. All right? And that being said, there's issue with that, but when people take issue with the story, they repeat the story. I think if you're going to take issue with it being the Bible, I think you ought not to quote things out of it then. You ever heard somebody say, you know, you know he was out sin, cast the first stone? That comes right out of that passage. Yeah. So if you don't believe it should be there, then quit quoting it. <laughs> I believe it should be there, so I'm going to keep quoting it. <laughs> but in John chapter 8, follows right on the heels of John 7, the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is one of the many feasts of the nation of Israel. And the Feast of Tabernacles, sometimes called the Feast of Booze, was about them coming out of Egypt. They'd spent all that time in Egypt. And they had no temple, they had no tabernacle, they had no real way to worship God. They were under the taskmasters, the slave drivers. They were underneath people that really had no, they had no heart for the people nor for their God. And God brought them out, that Passover lamb, the blood put on the little and the side post. And the Bible says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. We sing that song. They came out of Egypt, the Bible says, with a high hand. So the Feast of Tabernacles has taken place. And then you come, and look what the Bible says in verse number 1 of chapter 8, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. So now Jesus, early in the morning, feast is passed, Jesus goes into the temple, and he goes in early in the morning. Maybe if you could think of it this way, light is beginning to break. You can see perhaps the oranges and the yellows and the different hues that are there. And, and as light is breaking and Jesus is entered into that temple, the people come to hear him. They come to hear what he has to say. And he begins to speak the truth in their ears. Well, in the middle of that, the Bible says that the Pharisees, in verse number 3, and the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. So right in the middle of a scene where you have truth and light from the Son of God, the Pharisees bring in 
darkness and shame of a woman caught in the act of sin. Put her right in the middle, interrupt what he has to say. Well, Jesus deals with that. We get to the end of that passage, and he says one of the great things in the Bible. When he asked her, where are thine accusers? And she says, he says, has no man condemned thee? Verse 11, she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I'm glad I have a God that knows how to forgive sin. Jesus can do that because who he is. Now, he didn't say, all right, I'm going to forgive you. You just keep living the way you want to live. And he said, go and sin no more. I'm not going to condemn you. And maybe you're here today, and maybe you've committed something in your life, and you're ashamed of it. Maybe there's a mark in your life. Maybe there's multiple marks in your life. There may be people that know you and know about you. And there are things that you cannot go back and undo. Can I tell you today, if you've been born again, the Bible says, I quoted earlier, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. My, my sin that I've committed is gone, but then I also have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I got to tell that lady in the hospital that today. I, I told her, listen, that you can have the righteousness of God. It's more than just my sin being forgiven. I mean, I'm glad my sin's forgiven, but I got something even better. I got the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He gave me his righteousness. And so in, in saying that, Jesus deals with these men. And then the next thing, look at verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, now watch. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That's what I'm going to preach on this morning. I am the light of the world. Now understand, Feast of Tabernacles. Now this woman is brought in the middle of all the darkness and the shame. Jesus says, I'm not going to condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then he says, now, I want you to know I'm the light of the world. I don't think it's early morning now. Now I think the sun's up a little higher. I think perhaps as he says, I'm the light of the world, others begin to look at that. And, and there's a few things that I want to say about that, but there's also something that's added to that. Do you see it underlined in your Bible? It's a great statement that is followed up at the end of the chapter. I am the light of the world. Now, you may have had somebody tell you that you look glowing this morning. I've had some of these young guys tell me I look fresh. I'm not certain if I believe that's a good thing or a bad thing, all right? But I, it, it, can you imagine, can you imagine, can you imagine your spouse saying, hey, I'm the light of the world. <laughs> you know what you'd probably say? Look, looks like the shadow total eclipse, total eclipse. What are you talking about? Jesus knew what he was saying. In fact, if you look over at the end of the chapter, they're trying to find out, who are you? Who, who are you making yourself? The Bible says in verse 53, Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Whom makest thou thyself? Who are you? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say he is your God, yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I knew him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced and was to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Amen. Let that settle down just in your mind for a minute. He's looking at these men, and he said, listen, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day was glad. Verse 57. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet 50 years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? You're not even 50. Yet, have you seen Abraham? Look at the words. 
Jesus said unto them, verse 58, Barely, barely, I say unto you, <laughs> before Abraham was, I am. Oh, and listen, you're talking about blood pressure going up. You're talking about people losing their mind. They knew what he just said. Or because he had just said earlier in verse 12, I am the light of the world. All right, we can take that. We don't agree with that. But now we get to here to this place. And he says, before Abraham was, I am. That's Exodus chapter 3. Met Moses is saying to God, God, who am I going to say sent me? I'm going to go in there and the Jews aren't going to believe me. Pharaoh's not going to believe me. And when I go to try to tell them that you said let my people go, who am I going to say sent me? And God said to him, you, said, you let them know that I am that I am sent you. So when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, he is identifying himself with the God of Genesis or Exodus chapter 3. You say, well, now, wait a minute. Wouldn't that, that, is that right? Well, sure it's right because we believe God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. We believe that Jesus Christ was as much God as God the Father, just a different place. That's all it is. But when he said that, he's saying, you know what he's saying? I'm God. Now, if your spouse said that, you'd say, well, you're not. There's only one God. They understood that, and they want to stone him for it. All right, he says, I am that I am. Seven times he says that in the book of John. Great study. Every Bible college student, every preacher, every missionary ought to work through those seven times that Jesus says, I am. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. In fact, you're in John 8. Go back to John 6 just a minute. He says this, I'm the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And when he says that I'm the bread of life, what he's saying is he said, listen, your, your fathers, they ate manna in the wilderness. In other words, they, they had angel food. But when they got that angel food, Bible's very clear that they all died. Verse 48, I am that bread of life. Verse 47, verily, verily, I say to he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. I am. Come on, don't you think that's a, come on, I don't think we're, we're connected yet. Don't you think that's a pretty bold statement? When you look at somebody and you say, I am the bread of life. Me, I'm the bread of life. I mean, good night. How many of y'all love food? You love food? You know, there are people today that are foodies. They like, they like different kinds of food, try any kind of food. I, I, I think that's fine. I, but I, I, we, we, we center our lives around food. We, we have schedules that we like to eat. Some people like to eat lunch at 11. Some, some people like to eat lunch at 12. Some people like to eat dinner at, or supper at 5 o'clock. Some people eat breakfast every, every, every morning the same time. Have the same food. If you eat yogurt every morning, God bless you. God bless you. It's healthy. Boy, but it doesn't stand up to bacon and eggs and biscuits and gravy. <laughs> you say, yeah, well, you'll die early. Well, that's right. <laughs> I'm just saying, we center our, our lives. You think, think about this. There's so much about our life that centers around food. We have grocery stores everywhere. We have restaurants everywhere. 
You can go to restaurants that are your favorite restaurant and you can sit down and you can eat that meal and you can take it all in. We have holidays that celebrate food, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and we bring out all kinds of pies and all kinds of recipes and all kinds of things that we put out. And we go and we fill ourselves and we eat and we have our schedules. But you know what's true? Every, are you listening to me? Every time we sit down to eat, there's something that always happens. We eat and then later on, we get hungry. We got to go eat again. It doesn't matter if you eat at McDonald's or Hall's Chop House. When you're done, you're going to have to find some food somewhere else. It doesn't matter if you eat homemade food or if you ate stuff right out of the microwave. And Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. He later on goes to say this He says, He that cometh to me shall never hunger or thirst. How many think that's a bold statement? Can you imagine a restaurant here saying, you come and you sit down at our table when you get up, you'll never be hungry again. You come and you sit down one time here, you will be satisfied the rest of your life. Are you, are you listening to me? The world, the world has restaurants, grocery stores. We eat every day over and over again and never get satisfied. Are you listening to me? You taste of the Lord and see that he is good. You get a good taste of Jesus Christ, you'll find out he satisfies. He satisfies. What I'm saying is that, listen, you might have success. You might make some money. You might end up being known in the world and have a reputation. You might have that car you want. You might get the house that you want. You might have the family that you want. You might have the job and you think, if I could just get this, I'll be happy. I'm telling you, you can get this and you can have that thing and you can put your attention on this thing, but you'll never be satisfied until you get in touch with Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. You will never be satisfied until you come face to face with Jesus Christ. I think I'm preaching to the choir this morning. I believe I got a crowd here. You know Jesus satisfies. Yeah. There's more satisfaction in him than a new car. You say, I don't believe that. Well, you know what? You go ahead and buy your new car. Isn't it funny how they make spray to spray in cars to make them smell new again? You know why they have to do that? Because the new wears off. And you get dents and scratches. And then something doesn't work like it's supposed to. And that wonderful new car, your favorite color, and all the money that it cost, and all the insurance, and how you had everything tuned up just the way you wanted it. And it was the car of your dreams. All of a sudden, it becomes a nightmare. Well, I'm telling you right now, you'll never find any fault in Jesus. You'll never find any disappointment in Jesus Christ. You're never going to wake up one day saying, boy, I wish I didn't know him. You're going to wake up saying, I'm glad that I know who Jesus is. He satisfies. He satisfies. And when he says, I'm the bread of life, he is making a huge statement. Well, when he says, I'm the light of the world, He's making a huge statement. Amen. Go back, if you would, to chapter 8. Chapter 8, when he says, I am the light of the world, verse number 12, I just want you to look at it again. Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. The first thing I, I want you to note is this, that him saying, I am the light of the world, that's present tense. That's not past tense. That's a declarative statement. I am the light of the world. I'm glad that my God's not dead. 
I'm glad that I don't have to go to a mausoleum or a crypt to see his remains. I'm glad that they don't pass them around from building to building. I remember years ago I was in Mexico and they were celebrating the Virgin Mary on the Day of the Dead and they shot fireworks and they're carrying around this small little box with Mary on the inside of it. Mary's being long gone. And they're celebrating this, this Virgin Mary and she's been dead for thousands of years. She can't speak. She can't hear. She can't touch your life. And they're celebrating that. I'm glad that I've got a God that can hear and that can see and that can speak and can touch and affect my life. And I'm just what I'm saying is that is a present tense God. He is the light of the world. In fact, if you look at it, look at John 1. It's not the first time that, that association's made. Look at John 1. John 1, verse, I'm having a good time preaching about Jesus. I am. I'm having a good time preaching about Jesus. I am the light of the world. Verse number four, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. So every man that comes in this world has a light that Jesus Christ put there. Now that doesn't mean a spark of divinity. That he is the light that lighteth every man. That spirit of man. The soul of man. What's on the inside. Look at verse 5. And the light shineth in darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear, wit or the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh in the world. You know everybody Everybody, if they want to, can come to Jesus. Amen. They don't. Everybody, if they want to, could believe on Jesus. Jesus has made that available. I am the light of the world. That, does, that means it doesn't matter what your color is, what your skin color, your nationality. Jesus makes no distinction in that when it comes to salvation. It, listen, if you're a sinner, you've got a Savior that can be the light of your life. I praise the Lord for that. Look at it again though. Chapter, uh, chapter 3, chapter 3. Look at chapter 3. We know John 3, 16, but how about John 3, 19? John 3, 19, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. I'm going to say more about that in a moment. The Bible says that light is coming to this world. Jesus is the light of the world. He came into this world to give testimony to the truth and to that light. Look at it again. John chapter 9, look at verse number 5. A blind man, a blind man, a blind man. Jesus passes that way and the Bible says this man was blind from his birth. Verse number 5, Jesus says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Amen. Not I was. You know, I, I, don't, I don't like the idea of people saying that we are just old-time religion. I, I do understand what they're saying. We, we sing out of a hymn book, which is a good thing. We, we open a Bible when it's preaching time, and we still have preaching with a pulpit, and that's a good thing. All right, But, but I'm telling you right now, it, it's not something past tense. Jesus is not a past tense God. He's a present tense light right now. Right now. We, we don't need some new program. We don't need some new way to define the Lord. The Lord is the light of the world. He's the light of the world. I got thinking about that. You know, that means several things. If he claimed to be the light of the world, we've got a light in this world. And uh, God put that light there. He made two lights to rule the day. Amen. Lesser light to rule the night. Genesis chapter 1, he steps out and says, let there be light. How about that? There was light before there was ever a sun. You know why that is? Because there was light because before the sun was, the I am was. But then he made two lights and that sun, that sun has great power. 
It has great warmth and it gives great, listen, without it you can't have life. All the processes that go on where the plants receive the light and change the, that into food, listen, without that great sun, that great power, you know, it, listen, we set our time by the sun. The sun is over 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Let me think, that's hot. That's hot. There's a lot of power there. I can't remember now, it's, it's hundreds of thousands of pounds of TNT detonated every second on the sun, every second. It's a great power. And I'd like to say this, when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he has great power. Come on, I know right now we're worried about the Ukraine and Russia and all these troops that are massed on the border. And my, now the Chinese have this hyper weapon that can go up into space, then come down low and all these other things that are out there. We're worried about North Korea. They just shot a missile that has gone higher than any other missiles they had. And I know people start biting their fingernails and getting worried. I'm telling you, none of those things hold a candle to how much power Jesus Christ has. The Bible says in Isaiah that all the nations are as a drop of a bucket. You stick your finger down in there and you put it up and when that drop falls off, that's Russia, that's America, that's Britain, that's Korea, that's China. It's just a drop in the bucket compared to the great power of your God. Amen. Amen. Great power, great power. Great preeminence. You know the sun, unless you're a flat earther, if you are, I'm sorry. The sun, God set that in the center of our world and everything revolves around that sun. Now, some things revolve in different directions. So we know evolution is wrong when it talks about it just all came about from a big bang because the law of angular momentum says that anything that is spinning, when it breaks off, it will spin the same direction. You put 10 kids on a merry-go-round, which I don't even know, if, how many of y'all do not know what a merry-go-round is? I'm just curious. All right, so how many of you do know what a merry-go-round is? All right. How many of you have been on one lately? <laughs> you put 10 people on a merry-go-round, you get them all spinning this direction, and when they start flying off, they're going to spin the same direction that the merry-go-round is spinning. Well, we got, we got all kind of things, satellites, planets, earth, that orbit different directions, but it all is around the sun. Amen. When Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, you know what that means? He ought to be the center of our life. Can I tell you what's the center of Tabernacle Baptist Church? It is not this pastor. It is not our deacon board. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the center. He's the center. We don't come here to be entertained. We come here to focus on him. We come to meet with him. If you take Jesus out of the church, you don't have a church. You might have a lot of people, but you don't have a church because he's the center. He's the center. The sun's the center of our universe. And then I think about the brightness. You know, the Bible speaks about Jesus Christ being the light of the world. Amen. Yeah, I met some people that are really bright lights. We've laid some of them to rest, their body recently. They're up in heaven right now. And they, they had a great light. John was a burning and shining light, the Bible says. We have some of those people. But you know, even the most godly person you meet down here, you know what we all have? Man, we've all got a spot. We've all got a dark side. We've all got a flaw. We've got a fault. You know, it might be your anger. It might be your attitude. It might be jealousy. It might be envy. It doesn't have to be a bottle of whiskey in your hand. But you know, when you look at the sun, the moon, I've heard people tell them the dark side of the moon, you know, this happens. You know, there's no dark side on the sun. Think about it for just a minute. 
when you look at the sun, there's no spot of darkness on it. The whole thing's lit up. <laughs> Can I tell you, my, my Savior's the light of the world. There's no spot in him anywhere at all. No darkness anywhere at all. Nothing you've got to worry about what his agenda is. Or whether or not you, can trust, you can trust him. He's all light. Amen. 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 I am the light of the world is what he said. Amen. That's a declarative statement. And that's a true statement. But then the Bible goes on to say about that, if you go back to John chapter 8 there, perhaps you're already there. The Bible speaking right there in John 8, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Darkness. When God said, let there be light, he divided the light from the darkness. There was a division that was made. So here you have light, but here you have darkness. I've heard somebody say that darkness is simply the absence of light. Now, I'm not going to debate that. I'm just going to say that God takes and he separates the light from the darkness. You know, the Bible is very clear. There are a lot of people in the world that, that are blinded physically. Jesus healed many of them. They live in darkness. But then there are people that live in darkness that are blinded spiritually. They live in a blindness and they don't see what's going on around them. Matthew chapter 4 says that there were people that sat in darkness, but that they saw a great light. They sat in the darkness of their sin. They sat in the darkness of their philosophy. They sat in the darkness of their ideology. They had all these things that were just darkened. We find people running around in the tombs in the Gospels, and yet Jesus can take and step inside their nightfall. Night comes, and when night comes, darkness comes, and sometimes people are afraid. Now, I'm not saying that you're necessarily afraid of the dark, but things happen at night that never happen during the day. There's a night that falls. There's a, there's, there's a need for people there that are in the dark to find light. And people look for it in all the wrong places. Can I, can I say this more? Listen, Jesus is the light of the world. Listen to me. Education is not the light of the world. We have a Bible college. We believe in people being trained. We have a, we have a day school. We believe in people being taught. I think you need to learn. You need to learn, you know, history. You need to learn mathematics. You need to learn English. You need to learn sciences. You need to prepare as a Bible college student. I'm telling you right now, enlightenment does not come from education. Enlightenment comes from Jesus Christ. There, there, there are so many nations in the world that are communistic that have, no, listen, they have nothing to do with God. And they're proud about the number of people they're educating and training. Listen, education cannot bring light because it's not light. Jesus is the light of the world. You know, religion's the same way. Religion's the same way. This world is filled with so many religious people. One billion one billion Buddhists. A billion. That's three times the size of this country. And if you were to stop one of them and you were to ask them, can you tell me what happens after this life is over? Well, you know, we, nirvana. We hope to be able to reach nirvana. And, and, and they have no, but they don't know what's going to happen. They, they really are, they're living a very meager life. They, they, they think that lusts, lust is the root of all evil in the world. So they live amongst life. They eat very meager food. They dress very meagerly. They think that all kind of things that you do that we would say are sins, they said all of that, that causes all the evil in the world. So if we could just get rid of that, then we'll finally find nirvana. You have, you have a billion Hindus. 
They have so many different gods. I, I, I can still remember Brother James Hopmeister down in uh, Florida. He was talking about a god. I think it's called Diwali. And Diwali, what they do in India, they'll take and they'll burn. And I could be wrong about this, Brother Katapago, you can correct me after service. They take and they light lights for Diwali because Diwali is a god that got lost in the forest. And what he needs is he needs you to light a light for him to be able to find his way back to where you are. Listen, if you need to light a light for your god to find where you are, how's he going to help you get anywhere? One billion people. One billion people. What two billion people believe in a God, Allah, and Muhammad being his prophet and how that if you take a child or you take a man or a woman and you outfit them with some kind of detonation device and you let them walk into some place of establishment or restaurant and they detonate that device, that they immediately go to paradise, but they can't give you a guarantee on that. You know why? Because religion... Is not the light of the world. Come on, help me out. Baptists are not the light of the world. I believe my King James Bible is the Word of God, but Baptists didn't write the Bible. Baptists weren't part of the committees that, that translated the Bible. That's right. That, but I, now I'm Baptist and I'm independent Baptist. I'm thankful for it, but we're not the light of the world. You know, the light of the world is Jesus. Jesus knows where He's going, Jesus knows how to get you where you need to be. Amen. Religion can't do that. So people look in religion. They look in wealth. They think, if I just earn a little bit more money, I'll be happy. You know what I think would be terrible? It'd be one thing to want to be rich and never be rich, just be poor. But it'd be another thing to be like that rich man in the book of Luke that took and built bigger barns and tore down his old ones and filled it up and said, hey, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. And God says, nope, you just got tonight. It would be horrible to be wealthy and leave it to somebody else. Really, it would. Here you got all this and you never got to enjoy it. That would be like somebody fixing a great plate of food. Can you imagine fixing a great plate of food? You pay $100 for some tomahawk steak and out it comes and it's sitting on the plate and boy, you can smell it, smells good. It's, I mean, just right. And then before you get a chance to eat it, you die and somebody else gets to eat it. So many people think, well, I just had a little bit more money. They're trying to find light in things that don't have the ability to give light. Jesus, when he says that he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that Jesus is the light of the world. I, I know this won't apply to everybody, but some of us in here Colossians 1.13 talks about how that God delivered us from the power of darkness. Paul was told in Acts 26, I'm going to send you out there and you're going to open eyes and you're going to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan under the power of God. Can Can I tell you this morning, those of you that are listening, there is a God in heaven that's the light of this world and religion may not know how to get you where you need to go and education may not know how to get you where you need to go and money may not be able to get you where you need to go, but the light of this world, he knows exactly how to get you where you need to go. You can move from a dark life to a light filled with life. I don't know about you, that just is a blessing to me. I'm thankful that, that the Lord knows how to take and deliver He separates the light from the darkness and he is the light of the world.
And he knows how to deliver. And I don't know what time it is. I'm, how about that? I'm going to take a little more time than 12. When you live in darkness and you're grasping for straws and you're trying to find something that will bring the light in, that, that, is, that is such a hard, frustrating place to be. But boy, if you'll reach out to Jesus Christ, Amen. if you'll reach out and let the light of the world take you by the hand, I'm going to tell you, he knows how to take and run darkness right out of the room. Amen. Over and over again in the Gospels, he was able to do that. I, listen, I'm I, listen I, I know it doesn't apply to everybody in here, but I, there, there comes a place in your life, if you've ever been touched by the light of the world, if he's become your Savior, then you don't need, you don't need a darkly lit bar room with music playing and drinks being poured. You don't need to find where the new club is being opened and, and who's, going to be the, who's going to be the head act that night. You know what? Because you, you're not interested in that anymore. You don't need that anymore. When it comes to this world, all the concert halls that fill up, and whether it's rock music, pop music, country music, whatever they put in there, when you fill all of those up, and, and you know, I, don't, I don't have a desire and need to be there. I don't need to go to the Civic Center. I don't need to find out what the big gala event is. I'm happy coming to church at Tabernacle Baptist Church on 3931 White Horse Road on Sunday. This is where I find the light right here. And we don't charge at the door. Right. You don't need that anymore. I'm, I'm glad that God delivered. I, listen, I'm glad that I'm not just wandering around in the dark trying to figure out which God I need to please and how many things that I need to do and how many Hail Marys I need to say and how many things that I've got to take into my body. Hey, I'm, I'm glad I am not following a religion. I've been set free by the light of this world. I don't need that anymore. I don't need that. Don't need that. I don't need the forums. I don't need the classrooms. I don't need to find out who's the brightest man in the, on the planet and sit down and gain some knowledge from him. I'm telling you what I need. I got from the light. Oh my goodness, I'm about to have a fit. I got what I need from the light of this world. Albert Einstein doesn't have anything to add to that. All the Nobel laureates and Nobel Prize winners, they don't have anything to add to that. I'm going to tell you, I found, hey, hey, I found what I needed in Jesus Christ. You say you don't believe it. No, I do more than believe it. I've tested it out, and I know it's real. I know it's real. Well, I've also tested the other. You know, you'll never find anybody saying, well, I've tasted all the world, and oh, it's so good. But oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. In my mind, I'm, I'm certain this happened. Somebody in that crowd heard Jesus say, I am the light of the world. And boy, all those Pharisees believed in their religion, they, they let it go right by them. But I'm telling you, some mother, some man that was at the end of his rope, I can see him coming over to the side and saying, hey, you said something a minute ago. You said you were the light of the world. Man, my life's awful dark. Is there any way you could bring a little light into mine? (laughs) 
And I know every account's not in, the Bible says in John 20 that if everything Jesus ever did was written down in a book, the world couldn't hold it. Are you telling me you don't think that somebody heard that, didn't go up to him and say, hey, I'm tired of the dark. I'm tired of all this. I'm tired of these problems. I'm tired of the way things are going. My family, my, 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 my children, I'm tired of this. Can you really bring light? And you know what I think they did? <laughs> I think they walk, walked off singing. The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. They went off rejoicing because the light of the world had now shined in their heart. We are not peddling an independent Baptist church as the solution to your needs. But I am telling you what we do believe. We believe the light of the world has got more than you need if you'll give him that opportunity. What a Savior. Yeah, what a Savior. Amen. Lord, we thank you today that we don't have to live in darkness anymore. Thank you, Lord, that the bonds of shackles of sin are past. And Lord, we thank you that um, we thank you that you can bring light into the darkest places. Places other people don't even think about, don't even know where someone is. And yet, Lord, you can just step in and you can bring light to a whole world. I pray you'd help us to carry that light. I pray you'd help us to appreciate that light. Thank you for giving us something that religion and education and money never could give us. Thank you for giving us something that nobody can ever take away. And Lord, we love you for it and we thank you for it. We pray that you would help those around us to be able to see that same light in your son, that you'd help us to be able to be like a reflection of who you are and what you are. They might be able to find some freedom as well. Lord, we we give you the thanks for what you've done. We pray you do more. In Jesus' name, amen. If you stand to your feet, maybe you ought to come and worship. Maybe you ought to come and find help. Brother Hope, why don't you sing? Would you do that? The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. Like sunshine at noonday, his glory shone in. The light of the world is Jesus. Come to the light. Tis shining for thee, sweetly the light has dawned upon thee. Once I was blind, but now I can see the light of the world is have we who in Jesus abide the light of the world is Jesus we walk in the light when we follow our guide 
the light of the world is Jesus. Come to the light, it's shining for thee. Sweetly the light has dawned upon me. Once I was blind, but now I can see. Boy, it's good to live in the light, isn't it, church? Good to live in the light. Thank you for being here uh, this morning. And uh, hey, we'll be able to see you back tonight if you want to get by. I know we do have guests here. Uh, Brother Hannah, I'm sure he wouldn't mind you coming by and talking with him a little bit. Now, are you, are you going to be here this afternoon or you, are you traveling on? Oh, you're, you're okay. So if you want to get by and see him, and then Brother Bobby I, and, and Robert and Megan, you know, if you want to get by and see them, these are folks that we, that we know, that we love. And... Um, and uh, on the way out, won't you just tell somebody, boy, I'm glad I'm not living in the dark anymore. Can you do that? God bless you. You're dismissed. Amen. <clears throat>